Hello and welcome to the Women in Leadership podcast. I'm Angie Mazzetti. From a business perspective, to turn your back on 51% of the population doesn't make sense for anybody. Today, the woman I have for you to meet is Linda Barnes, who is Managing Director of a boutique recruitment consultancy, 360 Search, in Baggett Street in Dublin. I think for interviews, you have to try to be the person you'd like to meet. And if you're really interested in that role, you've got to give yourself the luxury of that role, of of actually having the choice of joining that organisation. And by that, I mean, give it everything you've got. I first came across Linda a few weeks ago when she was a guest speaker at a Connect Women in Pensions meeting in the offices of William Fry. She was so impressive and had such valuable, spot-on practical advice to give to women and men on how to go about looking for your next career move and preparing for a job interview that I thought more people should get to hear what she has to say. I think it's up to anybody who wants to progress to be brave. I mean, if you look left and right at your male colleagues, these are people who don't have a problem with having that chatter around the water cooler. Linda believes people have to think clearly and be brave when they're thinking about their careers, especially when it comes to interviews where it pays to ask. Most people walk out of an interview, and I know definitely most females walk out of of an interview, not 100% sure how it went because they haven't asked for the role. 360 Search specialise in senior appointments in life and pensions, general insurance, reinsurance and property, and they work with people who want to step up their careers to leadership roles. Linda has solid advice on how to conduct yourself in an interview situation and how to steer it in the direction you feel it ought to go. A lovely question I coach a lot of people to ask is, whenever you're looking at my skill sets, how do I fit into your organisation? Or the previous person who was in this role, how do I compare to them? And that gives you a really, really good indicator as to whether or not the organisation is interested in you or not. And it also gives you an opportunity to start reselling yourself. If somebody is, has career ambitions and they maybe don't see a future for themselves where they are at the moment, what sort of advice would you give them if they were thinking about moving up and onwards in their career? The first big question is why? If that person is literally just bored looking at the same wallpaper and is looking left and right at the role, the first thing is, can the role be found within the current business? Is there somebody else's role that you want to prepare yourself and put yourself on that career path to, to succeeding? Um, the second thing I would say is do your preparation and look at the markets. By and large, Irish people are really friendly and very, very warm. If you can identify somebody who's been on a similar career path, there's no, point, there's no problem with reaching out to them and asking them for their own personal experiences and start to work out whether or not it's the right career path for you. Is there a role for coaching and mentoring in all of this? I mean, if, you're, if, you, if you have some ideas about your career, should you go and ask somebody for advice first? By and large, the role of an industry-related recruiter should be able to support you in that whole process. But I think there's plenty of associations, plenty of women's organisations that can highlight those career paths for you. Coffee mornings of, of similar ilk, of people sharing their personal experiences are extraordinary. So if you're in, say, spot A and you need to get to D and you've seen somebody else on that journey, don't be scared to reach out to them or find an organisation that supports that kind of movement and uh, career development. So say I'm looking around at the wallpaper and I don't see any room for improvement or my organisation does not seem to be open or maybe it's in a downward spiral. I think, yes, I need to go to see a recruiter. What sort of mental perspective or mental attitude should I go to that uh, recruiter with? I think keeping control and being very clear about your expectations. If you are endorsing and asking somebody to act on your behalf, they will have or should have your best interests at heart. So it's very, very important to identify the right type of partner. I mean, I run a business that I 
I, I think I would like to use as somebody who's at the other end of, of the table or the other side of the table. But it is by and large about ideally dealing and caring about the needs of the person who's looking to make a ro- make a move. That person, however, needs to come through the door being very clear about their expectations, being very clear whether or not it's a career move, a money move. It could be something as simple as I don't like the commute. It could be something as simple as flexible working hours. But the beauty about looking right now is that there are many, many moves to be made and many more options outside of that wallpaper. And have things changed noticeably in the last year or so in terms of the market movement? Absolutely. I mean, I can only really speak for my industry with any kind of level of volition, but what I am aware of is there is a heightened level of awareness on behalf of the person looking to change or the woman looking to change in the role. I think that organisations have had a pay freeze or not necessarily have been looking internally for those promotions. People are now slightly frustrated possibly you know in a bit of a a freeze career-wise and are now starting to look left and right and make themselves much more aware of what's going on in the industry they will be or should be or you should make yourself slightly more abreast of what your competitors are doing and what options might be out there but how do you how do you go about finding out what the pay rates are in a particular job you know sometimes probably women are a bit more reluctant to ask i mean or even asking for anything seems to be difficult from what you hear anecdotally from women. How do you kind of get the gumption to ask people about pay rates? Well, your chosen recruiter, if they're industry specific, should be able to give you a good guide of that. Um, and they should be able to say whether you're, you're in the, the bottom quartile, middle or upper. Um, and also to manage those expectations because you know there's no point in moving from 50,000 and just deciding, well, you know, I bring so much to the table, now I want 90. You know, you if you are making a move like that, you need to be able to qualify all those things. But I mean, if you look online, there's lots of salary surveys, lots of information readily available to you. Um, but I think, you know, talking to your peers in the market, talking to competitors, and again, getting involved in associations for women. Do people ever move sideways in the hope that they will get further in an organisation? So they'll move for the same amount of money or maybe less because they see there's more opportunity in a different company? Well, we're coming out of a period of austerity and I think um, stability has been a huge thing for people. Um, People with responsibilities, young families, people are moving for bigger brands, more secure brands, so absolutely. But I think it's very important for women who are maybe moving from a support role into more of a leading role, that you actually have that conversation right from the get-go if you are looking to make a move. And that has to be right from the first stage of interview. In terms of my career path, what does that look like? And in terms of progression, where can you see myself within this organisation? Or even just saying to the HR professional, can you give me a case study of somebody who started at this point and who's progressed the way through the ranks? Do women have uh, leadership ambitions that are quite different to men and have you noticed any change in recent years? Well, we're as a population, we're much, much smaller. Um, what we have seen is obviously a huge upsurge in what's needed for um, the interna- or sorry, the independent non-executive board appointments needed. Um, we're now looking at organisations who feel having a female presence on the board can increase profitability, um, will reach out to a full audience. I mean, from a business perspective, to turn your back on 51% of the population doesn't make sense for anybody. So yes, absolutely, at the top table, it's been refreshing to see the, the um, I suppose, the, the, the warmer welcome from the female. How do you choose the recruiter that's right for you? Um, There isn't one glove that fits all, unfortunately. And talking to people who have either made a move or had an experience or the beauty of looking at LinkedIn. 
like people will put their recommendations up there. I mean, really, with all the information at, at the tip of our hands, it is really, really um, quite easy to maybe pick one or two. In choosing a recruiter, however, you need to pick one that's reputable, close to the industry, will connect you at the right level to the right person who won't waste your time. And I think most people don't really realise, and because women are less inclined to ask at a meeting, it's very important that you sit and you know exactly what that person's going to do. Are they going to speak to, are they going to talk to Angela? Are they going to speak to Linda? When are they going to send my CV? At what level? And what kind of traction am I going to get? So again, pressing back on success levels, their previous history and who they've connected with, what companies they recruit for. Very, very important. And do you have an ongoing uh, relationship? Do you have a policy of coming back to people because people hate being left on hold, I suppose? Well, we've all been there, you know, that, that old Dawson's Creek sitting by the phone waiting for the guy to ring kind of a feeling. Um, I think it's grossly unfair if you work in, in, in a people business that you don't have the same level of respect for other people the way you'd like to be treated. Um, I think it's important that you do actually plan that. So in terms of the agreement that you know exactly what that recruiter is going to do, but you also know when they can review it. So if there's a plan being needed, you can say, OK, we've looked at those companies. If that's not an option to me, where do we go now? Um, what would you advise women who are, what would you advise them to do who are looking for a new role? I think having your end game ready to go into interviews is very, very important. I think being very assertive in terms of what it is that you want from your next move. I don't think there's any issue with saying, I'd like to go into this role and I'd need to know what the progression would be in three years' time. You need to be able to visualise that in an organisation, bearing in mind that we have so much to offer as an industry. Um, we have so much to offer as a population, should I say, both in terms of empathy and skills. But I think it's, it's very important that you do make it very clear you know, right from the get-go, your expectations around the organisation. Also, that if you don't get where you want to go, that you will be looking, and you've made that very apparent. Now, they say women are often in a silo mentality, that they do their jobs really, really well, and that they get all their key performance indicators and they have all their ducks in a row, but they don't ask for the improvement they expect, expect to be to be noticed, even though they're sitting in their silos. What advice do you give to women you know, to actually take in charge of their own careers? Well, you've got to be able to carve out your own. So, you know, if you just have to start a new role, it's very important that you do put your hand up and say, well, you know, excuse me, you know, next in, next to me or my whoever I'm reporting into, I need to know how I'm progressing. I, I, I've just come through this experience. I'm now three months in the role. How am I getting on? I think the issue that we have is, and rightly so, rightly as you said, is around the control and taking charge of that. So if we're not in a position to be able to say, well, I've just done three months. How am I getting on? Most people don't even ask for that meeting, but by and large, most women don't. Well, <laughs> and anything we can do, does that start in school or does it start with an ongoing coach or any suggestions in that regard? Um, I think it's up to anybody who wants to progress to be brave. I mean, if you look left and right at your male colleagues, these are people who don't have a problem with having that chatter around the water cooler. So, you know, don't get stuck behind. I mean, our contribution is equally as important. And in a lot of ways, we, we're kind of, in terms of multi-skilling and everything else, we can actually add so much to businesses. Um, I think it's more, people have to be aware of the contribution. People have to be much more um, cognizant of the fact that career paths, I think it's up to organisations. It's really up to organisations to make it very clear that the contribution from whatever gender is equal and on par. I think that's called the emphasis is not changing the women, but changing the organisation or not fixing women, but fixing organisations. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. OK, so how do you go about getting a change of career direction? What would you suggest? 
I've probably identify a number of strong, uh, learned and experienced women who have maybe made that career path and can kind of coach you down through it. I mean, again, you know, we're all quite open to helping each other as a as a as an industry as as a gender. Um, I think once you reach out to people and ask for help, I think by and large people are open to it. So I think kind of even having a conversation with somebody. But if you're looking to change career. I would simply try to kind of map out my own personal goals by saying I'm working in this today and by this, this is where I need to go. So I would raise my own profile, I would raise visibility of my own personal brand. The associations are very important. Just have your voice heard in the industry you're looking to get into and get as aligned to that as you possibly can. How do you do that through networking? Any suggestions there? Well, we have all sorts of smaller badges you can wear. I mean, your, your LinkedIn um, is a very strong point. You know, I, I never kind of, I never, I would never advise somebody to say, you know, currently looking to employ, you know, or currently seeking for employment or anything like that. But what you want to do is find groups and you can join groups, you can create groups on that and it can be discussion groups or you can actually kind of physically go down and have, you know, meet up with people of, of a similar I suppose it's of a similar background who've been through that experience who can by and large impart that kind of information and, and support you but I think mentorship is, is is definitely where it's at and even finding somebody within your own organization who can kind of personally vouch for you who knows the quality of you as a human um, and what you can bring if they if they're involved in associations just even that you have the conversation put yourself on their radar Anna O'Leary, who's Chief Executive of Vodafone, says network with the people above you, which kind of is counterintuitive to a lot of Irish people because they, you know, they look at that as being a suck up. But it's really good advice, though, isn't it, <laughs> to network with the people above you rather than people below you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I suppose it, it, to be fully pivotal in terms of your networking, I think, you know, in any organisation, we all want to have an apple for the teacher and, and be seen to be that person. Um, but I think it's very important that, you know, you're by asking those for reviews and things like that or even just pulling somebody in for coffee who's you know maybe three or four hierarchical you know lines above you or whatever can be great because again people like to chat and people like to tell their story and you know at least you're kind of saying look here's where I am today but I'm really really ambitious and I want to be the next you in four or five years time it's an impressive conversation. Now people who are um, in senior management more than likely are men so is it a good idea for younger women to go and ask older men in senior positions to help them and mentor them? Because there may not be that many women around to give you that mentoring that you might need. True. Again, I'm, I, I, you know, I keep falling back on associations. That's really the basis of associations. That gives us an inner and outer strength. I mean, not only is it strength in numbers, but also having, you know, even just kind of cut through exactly the points of um, you know why that why it's necessary why it's needed um, and there's so much pressure on women today we're, we're all talking about it there's pressure to be amazing uh, you know uh, amazing mothers and um, still continue further education and still look for that promotion and still succeed in that promotion there's a lot of pressure but I think again the associations absolutely talking to somebody because the career path of, of a male versus female the path looks exactly the same. How you deal with it and how you feel about it is, is the difference. Do women ever walk away? I mean, my impression, just anecdotally, is that women walk away from a problem rather than seeing it through or going through a battle. Has that been your experience? Is, would they come to recruit and say, look, I can't hack it where I am in my current job and I just want to get out? Well, I mean, no matter what your gender, sometimes it's just a cha- need for change. I mean, that can happen to anybody at any point in their life, Absolutely. 
the issues that we have are probably that our voice is not particularly heard you know that if you're in a position of power or even you know just middle management levels that there aren't too many at the, at the same tier as you um, yes absolutely we've we've had people who just said the external pressures of life are very difficult but that happens with males too I don't think it's just indicative of gender Okay, so I just want to move on to the final area of interview preparation. Would you give any particular advice to somebody when they've been to their recruiter and they've got set up with an interview? What sort of mental preparation should they do and what sort of research preparation should they do before they go to their interview? Well, if you're working in a company that's got competitors, I think it's very important to make an informed decision. Just because you've committed to an interview doesn't mean you're going to take the job. But what we frequently see, especially from females in our business, is that people will go down through the whole process and they might feel, yes, okay, I'm almost there, and for whatever reason, they pull out of the process. And that's that can be, by and large, down to cold feet, which is human and natural. Um, it could be down to a lack of coaching. Or when we did a recent survey across our business, 70-something percent, 72% or so, I think, of people who applied or responded to our survey said that the main concern that they have is being concerned about making the right decision about the move. So through the whole process, if you feel unsure it's because you probably haven't done enough research or spoken to people in the industry organizations are you know free lots of HR teams will have the benefits listed on an organization if it's a benefit related issue by and large people now are much more free with things like budget and um, headcount etc so you know presuming that you are looking for a career move then you know, knowing what your competitors are doing and where you can kind of go within those organisations. But I think, you know, you've got to be true to yourself in all of these things. You can't ask for something and then decide, actually, it's not that important to me any longer. Knowing exactly why you're having that conversation is so important. And also the way you represent yourself in every single one of those meetings is how you'll be represented to the market if you do choose to work with a recruiter. So I think, you know, not looking lost, taking control of the process, engaging yourself in the process will help you probably cut out those feelings later on in the process you know the, the cold feet and I'm not sure if I'm making the right decision you'll know innately you'll feel much more confident in your gut I suppose about making that choice. Say we've decided we're happy with the interview process and we're happy to go ahead with the interview what sort of mental preparation should you do for to prepare for the interview on the day or the day beforehand? I can say all the things about having a good night's sleep and trying to avoid coffee in the morning but I think that's more kind of a physiological um, element to getting prepared for an interview. I think for interviews you have to try to be the person you'd like to meet and if you're really interested in that role you've got to give yourself the luxury of that role of, of actually having the choice to join that organisation and by that I mean give it everything you've got. In terms of the interview most people they don't really ask for the role by and large, people do all the, you know, this is me and this is how I can position myself and they kind of really sell themselves. Most people walk out of an interview, and I know definitely most females walk out of, out of an interview, not 100% sure how it went because they haven't asked for the role. A lovely question I coach a lot of people to ask is, whenever you're looking at my skill sets, how do I fit into your organisation? Or the previous person who was in this role, how do I compare to them? And that gives you a really, really good indicator as to whether or not the organisation is interested in you or not. And it also gives you an opportunity to start reselling yourself. So they came back and said, well, the last person had 15 or 20 years experience. Right, well, clearly, I don't have that level of experience. But what I do bring is, and then you go back into reselling. So I think, you know, those smaller little tips and having a very clear mind about what it is that you want at the end of the interview and asking for the job. Say you're at an interview and you feel that it's not going well, um, that maybe somebody is distracted looking out the window, how do you bring them back into focus on you? 
I think an interview, the healthiest interviews and the most positive outcomes are always around an interview that is part and part. I don't like a style of interview. If I was going to observe and take a, an out-of-body experience and view somebody else's interview, the people that I would back are people who are quite natural. It's a conversation, it's not an interview. And that, that is easier said than done whenever there's a panel of people there who are all industry experts and you feel, gosh, they know so much more about this than I do. The thing is just to push back and take control. Again, I keep talking about taking taking control, but it is very important that you simply... So how's your experience with this organization been? And the minute you turn it on its head, firstly, you get to relax a little bit. You get to listen to what they have to say. You're starting to engage in a conversation rather than a grilling or an interview or you know something that's kind of too heavy duty. It also kind of evens out the balance of power in that, in, in that interview. Listening is a very hard thing to do, though, when you're a bit stressed and a little bit anxious, is it not? Well, it probably gives you the 30 seconds that you need to kind of regather yourself and get on with the next question, to be frank. But I think, uh, you know, a lovely even way is to get other people talking in that interview or, um, you know, get them to impart something about their personal experience, because then it becomes much more real for you and you can visualize the path of starting with them the Monday morning and all that kind of stuff. And it's a lovely way to kind of pull it back from the brink if it is kind of getting quite negative. Um, so I think, you know, kind of leveling off with somebody or tell me a little bit more about that. And certainly I think every interview has to, um, you know, definitely has to end with you looking like you're interested. You know, so asking smart questions, not like, you know, what are the benefits like or, uh, you know, <laughs> what, are, what are the training like? But, you know, much more around the, the long term, about the business plans of the organization or any frustrations that they have at the moment or asking good kind of smart educated questions can kind of put them, you know, they don't want to be interviewing people all day and certainly not the same type of interview day in, day out either. So, you know, packing a little bit of punch at the end of a meeting is quite good. What benefit would people have for coming to you as a recruiter? I mean, what, what, what are your key sales proposition? Well, firstly, we opened our a recruitment business in recession. So trust me, if you are open a recruitment business in a recession, you have to do things very differently. And we called our company 360 because we turned everything on its head. We work on behalf of the person rather than the organization who pays our fee. And we look at everything from the whole way through the process, from the day of consultation through right the way into you settling into your role a number of months through. There's no point in us contacting you in the first week or two whenever you're just working out with the tea and coffees kept. And there's certainly no point in us starting a process with you that we can't follow through, especially if we're acting as your agent. So everything from a constant communication policy, which is throughout our business and everybody's trained exactly the same, through to interview preparation, CV surgery to ensure that your CV is market worthy, it's road worthy, and that you're totally prepared throughout the whole process. We also manage the interview process and we get the feedback for you. We then do a full debrief with you. We take you down through another interview preparation and we manage all the negotiations. But again, I think as a business, we take pride in the fact that we don't end communication there. If you look at the definition of a consultant, it is somebody who provides professional advice. There isn't any timestamp on that and there's no walk away time. So ultimately, our role is to make sure we're still a sounding board whenever you're settling into your new role, making sure that you're integrating and your transition is as smooth as we thought it was going to be. What, what is the typical demographic of the sort of person who would, could use your services? Well, again, um, I am a firm believer, if you don't know what you're doing, employ an expert. So we've taken from the industry, um, again, those are um, life and pensions, general insurance, reinsurance and captive spaces. And we do quite a lot in the property market as well. Um, So I think people either looking to consider their options in those industries, um, feel free to to pick up the phone and find out more about our services. Great stuff. And what is the number here? 63449990. And that's a Dublin number. 
Can I just ask you one tiny little extra question? You mentioned CV surgery, which I think is a phenomenal phrase. Do people normally put way too much information on their CV? They do, and not all of it's relevant. So I think um, it should really be a work in progress. You know, every time that you kind of come into something, uh, you know, it should be updated. You know, I, I don't think Rome was built overnight. It is something you add and subtract and, and take from. But by and large, it should be just no more than three or four bullet points, no more than two pages of, of information. And quite frankly, this is the first marketing tool that people see of you. So make sure it is as it should be, you know, that you are the person that you'd like to meet whenever you kind of get through the door. Um, obviously, it needs to be word checked and um, you know, using strong language about taking responsibility, not what the organisation does, what you've done is very important. Should you put a photograph on? It's a very European concept and we see quite a lot of CVs coming through the door with it. I don't think it's particularly necessary because I think that a lot of people naturally put their LinkedIn profile there, which most people would have a photograph attached to that. And that was Linda Barnes, MD of 360 Search. And remember what she said, do lots of networking, do your research before you do anything about looking for a new job and ask yourself some searching questions about what you want because, as she says, taking control of the process will help you cut out those cold feet feelings you might get later on in the process. Well, if you like what you've heard, please look in our back catalogue of interviews with various inspirational women. And please also rate us on iTunes when you get a moment. You can email the podcast on info at womeninleadership.ie. We'd love to hear from you. And we particularly want to hear your words or pearls of wisdom, your advice you would have given to your younger self, no matter what age you are now. We also want to hear about any jaw droppers you may have encountered in your working life. Things that were so sexist or inappropriate, you were left speechless. Also, if you have any good comeback lines too, we would love to hear them and share them. The address of the website is womeninleadership.ie and the email is info at womeninleadership.ie. So from me, Angie Mazzetti and all the team, until the next time, goodbye and good listening.